Welcome to When I Was On My Mission, the podcast where missionaries tell true, unbelievable stories that they experienced firsthand. I'm your host, Brian Jensen. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app. It really helps us out. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the When I Was On My Mission podcast. I'm your host, Brian Jensen, and I'm here with Glenn Taylor. Glenn, thanks for making time this Sunday afternoon. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, and I have known Glenn for a number of years. We worked together a few years back and knew that he served an interesting mission and had some great stories, so I asked him to come on the podcast today. Thanks for that, Glenn, and we're super excited to hear what you what you have to tell us. Yeah. Perfect. So, Glenn, just to jump into things, where did you serve your mission? So I served in the Arizona-Phoenix mission, um, and the boundaries have changed since I've been there, but I served about half my mission kind of in the ghetto of Phoenix, and then the other half I served on uh, Indian reservations up kind of northern Arizona. So Very cool. yeah, the Pine Apache and then the Navajo Reservation. The Apache Reservation and the Navajo Reservation. What's I'm I'm familiar with the boundaries. Just help us. I'm familiar with the boundaries of the Navajo Reservation, but thinking about listeners, can you just help us understand like what area does the Navajo Reservation cover in the Apache Reservation? The Hopi Reservation is right in the middle of the Navajo Reservation. There's a whole bunch of tension about that. But I didn't ever serve in the Hopi Reservation. I was what they call the deep res so i was canyon to shea that area so many farms and uh chinley was kind of our main area where i served in so very cool what it what is meant by deep res like you're as far away from any any city other than reservation cities or what how does that mean what does that mean yeah so the wilder part of the res uh so so like Page is pretty built up. There's there's a lot of tourists around that area. And then as you go, Wendell Rock's uh, the capital of the res, but it's it's been a little bit more built up. But Chin Lee is kind of the scent, the spiritual center of the Navajo culture. Well, Canyon de Shea. And Chin Lee's right on right on the edge of Canyon de Shea. Um, but the Canyon de Shea is kind of the the center of the of their their culture. Um, kind of their their spiritual center uh, for traditional Navajo. And so I guess, yeah, Deep Res would be, hasn't been as influenced by American culture as other places. Everyone had TVs and most of the kids were very influenced by uh, sitcoms and drama and stuff. I think that's where they learned their English and social skills was was from watching TV for honestly, for worse, but still had a lot of the old culture left in the deep res. That is super cool and, and really helpful. So just to kind of zoom out for listeners. So Page would be kind of north eastern Arizona, and then this would spread to the east and kind of mainly to the east into New Mexico and some into the north into the Four Corners area. Does, is, that, yeah. is that right? Yeah. One more, one more question just on that. Did you learn a lot about Navajo culture and, and their religion while you were there? Yes, the 
NEC, the Native American church, was was really popular when I was there, which is not a traditional church um, that was started in o- in Ohio. I don't know if you've been around Nate, especially Navajos, you hear talk of peyote all the time. That's all the in the NEC um, stuff. But the the traditional Navajo culture, there was still, um, especially again on the on the deep res side people that practiced it. And so I did get some exposure to that. We weren't really allowed to dive too deep into that as missionaries. But I mean, you have the shaman and then you have the skinwalkers and they're kind of opposites. And so the shaman did the spiritual stuff, but then also were kind of protecting the people from the skinwalkers and the skinwalkers kind of rogue preying on the people. But two different cultures, both of them involved some, a little bit of witchcraft, I guess. So it was interesting. It was cool because some of the Navajo culture, like you could tell there was some gospel roots in it somewhere. The Hopi culture had a lot of gospel roots in it. That was, it was really cool to learn about their culture. But even the Navajos, you could still see a little bit of remnants of where, you know, they kind of shot off from from the gospel in that way so that was cool super cool that is great and i've had a lot of exposure to navajo and hopi culture throughout my life just through family ties and being tied to that northern arizona area so this i'm really excited to to hear these stories before we jump in though just thinking back to when you got your mission call um were you excited to get called to phoenix (laughs) i was completely shocked i don't know if i had an emotion honestly if i did it probably probably wasn't excitement um grew up expecting to serve somewhere foreign and ended up i did kind of just in the u.s but all of my family had served foreign and so the thought of serving stateside hadn't even like crossed my mind like it was completely a shock to me yeah when i opened my call i was I was just very surprised because I hadn't even entertained the thought of it was always which country am I going to not hadn't even thought of stateside. So, yeah. And it was funny. I had uh, I'd been working like a week before out on kind of outside of town, taking care of some horses and stuff. And anyway, I'd taken off my jacket because I was hot and set it on the four wheeler and it like froze in front of my face. And I was like, huh. I got this cold weather thing figured out. I can, you know, God can send me anywhere cold. I'll be fine. And then he sends me to Phoenix. So, yeah. Uh, but loved it. Yeah, I was I was the same way. I've mentioned it a couple of times on the podcast. Wasn't expecting. I went to North Carolina on my mission. I wasn't expecting to go stateside. Wasn't super excited when I first opened the call, but but loved it. And it was absolutely the right place for me. Um, anyway, sounds sounds a little bit similar there. And then... Did you learn any other language while you were in on your mission? Um, so I I learned a little Navajo. Navajo is really difficult. Um, they can say the same phrase, and depending on what they say before or after, it's it can mean completely different things. Um, and so I got to where I could parrot the language pretty well, but didn't really know what I was saying. Um, so I could I could kind of mimic I could say the words but it couldn't hold up a conversation or really understand a conversation. Um, generally, 
you know, if if a Navajo says something, a pretty safe response is just oh, they and so like it's a little different. Like if I were to tell you hello, in our in our language, you'd say hello back. Well, in their language, you say a greeting, and they respond with oh, and it's just kind of like an acknowledgement that I heard you. They're not ex- so so like if a Navajo said yata a, which is hello, it would it wouldn't be right to say yata back. You'd say oh. And oh, okay. so anyway, if that makes sense. So so a few things like that I started to pick up on. And the other thing is like we weren't asked to study. Um, since I was deep res, about half of Sacrament was in Navajo and the other half was in yeah. English. So the older generation all spoke Navajo and the younger generation spoke mostly English. And so we used interpreters a lot. Um, we just have people from the ward that would help us teach. Um, but it, they didn't they didn't ask us to learn Navajo and we all tried like we all wanted to, but we weren't, you know, we weren't given the extra study time and all of that. And actually just one more question. Where, where is the Apache reservation? Glenn, I don't even know where it is. In Cottonwood area. So kind of by Sedona. Oh, okay. So Sedona and then there's um, Cottonwood is kind of more of like a snowbird town. I Camp Verde. There's a, they have a casino there and, Anyway, I actually lived in an airplane hangar or private oh, airport just just above the casino when I was there, which was kind of fun and fun with the planes. And but then you got to see the whole all the dark side of the the gambling casino stuff because it's oh, all yeah. right there too. So, okay, Glenn. Well, that is that is great context for us, and would love just to jump into your story. All right, so. Um, you kind of asked me to tell, asked me about skinwalkers. Um, I think that every elder that served on the res had some interaction with them. Like I kind of alluded to there, they are witchcraft, robber, murderer. They're not good. If a Navajo found out that you were a skinwalker, like they, they would kill you. So they're really bad. <laughs> I'll just say this, like I spent 45 minutes with a serial killer in Phoenix and that did not even come close to this as far as like, just like the evil skinwalkers are not good, but they do, they do use witchcraft to get certain like supernatural abilities sometimes. And so Glenn, I already have like 50 questions. This is, I'm already super fascinated here. I have a, Real temptation to ask you about your 45 minutes for the serial killer, but maybe I'll wait on that one for, for, for another opportunity. But for the, for the skinwalker side, so these are real people, like you, you can, can attest that you saw actual real skinwalkers and that they're like some somewhat organized or, or interact with each other. I don't know how organized they are. They, I mean, I know they associate with each other. And honestly, you just try and avoid them. So I didn't like try to talk to them. Yeah, it's really dark. So so there's very few people that actually even tell about them. But I love your mom. And that's really the only reason I'm doing this. But it's really dark. So so try and avoid them as much as they can. I know that they do associate. They keep their identity secret. Um, because like I say, if, if, if they could prove that you were a skinwalker, you were usually killed. So this is just like normal people on the reservation, but they have a secret 
affiliation or they're, they're secretly a skinwalker and so yeah they keep it and it remind it reminds me a lot of like the gadian robbers like i'm not i don't know whether it was or not like whether it's like a offshoot of that but like my experience with, with them like gadian robbers are like you know in human when samuel the lamanites prophesying about like the destruction of the nephite civilization and he and he talks about them being like you know we're surrounded by demons and you know all this witchcraft and we can't escape and it's not fun anymore that's kind of like what i would pinpoint as a scripture as far as like the condition that these people live in again not good evil but they do you know exercise some witchcraft and they prey on the people that is wild do you have any idea what the motivation is is it like personal gain or they're just depraved kind of evil and that's what they want to do or maybe both honestly so my experience on the reservation i think probably some of them it's a curiosity which is another reason why i tend to to not talk about it a lot just because i don't want to like plant a seed for someone else's Mm. i would guess i don't know i've never talked to them my experiences have haven't been pleasant and not like strike up a conversation with these guys i'm assuming it was probably just a curiosity because they can do some things that like normal humans can't do and that led them on but they have to yeah they have to do some very very dark things to get to that point a couple other questions when you say that normal navajos they find out you're a skinwalker they would kill you is that like a just kind of the tribal justice system or it just doesn't really matter if they if they can prove your skinwalker then somebody's so you know know, i never saw like a a trial you know or a killing i don't think that it's it's the same as like like you think of like the salem witch trials or something like that i don't think it's like that i do know that one of the jobs of the shaman is to find out and protect the people from the skinwalkers and and detect them um, I don't know how often it happens. I didn't hear or see it happen while I was serving on the res. I just know that 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 is one of the roles and 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 the culture. Um, I do know when a skinwalker is around. Like I've seen Navajos like just grab stick sticks and clubs and whatever they could get when they thought there was a skinwalker around, ready to defend, defend themselves, slash beat, take care of it if if they caught him. But they're generally fairly evasive. One more question before before talking. Sorry, I'm, I, this has just been a topic that I've tried to get information about for a long time. So this is this is helpful. But one of the question is just in general, what are some of the abilities that skinwalkers have? Oh, uh, okay. I don't want to plant too many seeds of curiosity. So I've had. I'll tell you two experiences. One, I saw one vanish. You saw one vanish. Uh, Yes. So I was just tracking with my companion. Um, it was getting late. So when we served there, we hitchhiked a lot. And our zone leaders, their truck had broken down, so they were using ours. So we were hitchhiking back, and we just took a little longer. And missionaries are supposed to be in, you know, at a certain time. So part of it, again, God protected us. We should have been more diligent about leaving sooner um we had an appointment that went a little bit later we were hitchhiking back it was getting dark and you kind of get a feeling when you're around you know evil stuff 
and the got a feeling and and there was a guy coming and and yeah so i saw one vanish um i know of times when they run really fast like yeah. you know a lot faster than than a human normal human could run um i've heard other things haven't really witnessed them uh so you know those are those are the those are a couple things that i that i've seen for sure um there are other things i've heard about them that i haven't seen personally but i've i've seen evidence of that i i would tend to not write off but what are those what are the ones that you wouldn't write off i don't know different attributes of animals and stuff like that like shape shifting yeah okay yeah and i've I've heard about that too I've, i've asked you a lot of questions and usually we just jump right into the story but glenn if you if you want to share that story with us i'd love to hear it okay well so i kind of already shared one um we were protected on that one because right after that happened a truck pulled over and gave us a ride so so that was great so we got out of there let me let me just ask you about that one a little bit so you're you're coming home from teaching a lesson is that is that right and you're a little bit late and you don't have their truck because the zone leaders have it and so you're hitchhiking and you just kind of see a guy walking down the road towards you yeah and it wasn't quite time to be in to where we had to be into our apartment but there was a hogan just right to where we had had our lesson and so we were like well let's just go knock on their door and see and uh it was pretty empty and and there was a dude he was outside the hogan and anyway there's a part of it that was open and then all of a sudden he was in the hogan and then he was gone and you know we got the warning like we need to get out of here now and praying and i mean a lot of missionaries will have and sometimes i don't know if this is all skinwalkers sometimes it could just be navajos playing a trick and having fun with the missionaries like someone beating on their house at night or or on their roof Um, there's plenty of those stories and and missionaries like to claim that it was skinwalkers and it might be sometimes and sometimes it might just be navajos having fun with them but this was (laughs) this was different but you know praying and then we got a truck pulled us pulled over and gave us right home and it was great um the other the other time was right after a lesson and this was this was really scary and it's it's one that i don't know if i can describe very well so it may not sound very cool i guess on the air but for me it was definitely the most scary experience i had on my mission um we were coming from teaching a lesson it was right by where we had parked but we certain times of the year on the navajo res navajo mud res mud is is weird um it just does weird things and we just had a two-wheel drive truck and it was really muddy it just like grows and consumes things and then and then just keeps growing it's kind of like a sponge that never stops growing and when it dries out it doesn't shrink back down it just when it gets wet again it keeps it just keeps growing and it's not like super noticeable but it can get really deep so we had to park a little ways away from from our appointment because we just couldn't get into their house we didn't have four-wheel drive and so we parked a little ways away and walked over there taught a lesson coming back and again it was it was dark to set the stage you're out in the desert right like to, to help yeah, people understand yeah. you're, you're in the desert you know there's no nothing around it's probably a hogan that you're going to just kind yep. of paint that paint the picture a little bit for us yeah so yeah where i served again deep res so there chimley is a little town um and we did 
teach people, but a lot of a lot of the Navajos that live there live in hogans or trailers scattered throughout the desert around Canyon Diche. And so my area was probably 80 miles long. And so lots of driving. We only had about 1,500 miles a month on the truck. And so okay. a lot of hitchhiking. And one thing you learn is you're never, at least in the deep res, you're never alone on the Navajo reservation. You're just you're just not doesn't mean that it's necessarily dangerous, but you're you're never alone on the Navajo reservation. But anyway, so we were we were coming back from an appointment and uh, and a guy just kind of came out of the night and, uh, you know, we're missionaries. So we're like, sweet, let's talk to him about the gospel. And uh, he wasn't interested. And he, I'm trying to remember what he said. But me and my companion really quick were like, we, we got to get out of here. This is a we shouldn't be talking to this guy. And we went to leave and he grabbed me and my companion didn't see it. And so my companion got in the truck and he grabbed me and started chanting. Um, and it was just like, honestly, it was kind of like Joseph Smith's like first vision where like, not necessarily, but I felt surrounded by darkness and it was really scary. And my companion's sitting in the truck and he's honking the horn like, Elder Taylor, we need to leave. Why are you still there? And I was starting to really panic. And then I just had this thought, like, why haven't you prayed? And so I prayed, and as soon as I prayed, all his power went away. It was just like turning a light switch on. I kind of, again, just like Joseph Smith's story where, like, he prayed and he saw light. I prayed, I didn't see a light, but the darkness left, and the dude was powerless. And he knew it, and I knew it immediately, and he let go, apologized, and, and took off that was really cool god's definitely in charge and you reach out to him like like before my mission you'd hear stories and you'd be like well you have the power of the priesthood you know just and there are blessings and you can do that but in that instant i was in such a panic calling on the authority of the priesthood it just didn't even enter my mind i was just scared out of my mind and just the spirit just came in and prayer came to my mind and as soon as i said it it was gone that was a real testimony builder it was really really cool for me i went home asked my companion for a blessing just you know for good measure so it's definitely it's dark stuff but it's god's still in charge and he knows where you are and he uh he he protects he protects his children and his servants wow that is that is an incredible story and so this guy just grabs you after after your companions not around and just started chanting I mean, no. did, did you understand any of the words he was saying no no just some sort of ceremonial or something that he was that he was something. saying there yeah and and then when you prayed and he he apologized to you after after yeah so so i prayed and everything left and i think he was startled he stopped chanting and kind of startled him because, like I say, it was so obvious his power was gone. The darkness was gone. Then he was just kind of this old man, you know, oh, wow. and and so so like all of a sudden, like he was not threatening at all. Wow. So, was the only person you told about that your companion or did you did you tell anybody else? 
I'm sure I probably told my mission president during interviews or something, but that night I think it was just my companion. And then of course, you know, I got back into the truck all shaken up and my companion was like, where were you? And I told him, he's like, Oh, Oh shoot. I'm really sorry. Sorry, I wasn't there. (laughs) Yeah. What, what did your mission president tell you about, about skinwalkers? Like, did he give you any guidance or, or like warning Um, when you're going to the the rest? when you're transferred to the res they do have a little meeting because they're it is different than like phoenix and so they they say you know they they clue you in onto a little bit of the culture mostly just stuff to avoid like you don't participate in in any of these ceremonies you're not supposed to eat most things you can eat but there were two things that we weren't allowed to eat a chi which is like a blood sausage and then um anything that they did as part of their ceremony and then uh they they did say you know i'm sure you've heard plenty if you've been in the mission long enough you know very long i'm sure you've heard plenty of stories of skinwalkers on the res um just don't seek after them you know if you think you're experiencing one you know try and get out of there and then just know that they've never hurt a missionary i think was was what that direction was and i found that to be true so (laughs) but again not not because of anything i did god looks after his elders so and sisters well i totally agree with that and you know i've known a lot of navajos i've known a lot of hopis throughout my life i you know i have cousins and things like that that are navajo and uh they're really amazing humble good people and you know unfortunate that this entity or organization exists down there with them but i'm you know i'm sure that you have many incredible stories of your mission and and just goodness that you saw while you were there on the reservation too yep the navajo reservation was my favorite by far my favorite area of my mission so loved it down there it was great and i totally agree with you the people are awesome very good and glenn thank thank you for sharing that with us i i know that that's probably somewhat uncomfortable to remember those those experiences but on the podcast we're just trying to let everybody see the variety of experiences that come from a mission and, you know, good and bad and different, different experiences where people have felt God's influence while they were on their mission. I think this is a a really great example of one of those. And Glenn, my last, my last question for you, having gone through that experience, having gone through probably a couple others uh, that you're thinking about that are scary, but then also the good experiences as well, thinking about all of those things together, was it worth it serving a mission? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no question. It was worth it. You get to see God's power in the lives of so many people in ways that I don't know, you know, maybe as a general authority or or, or a member of the Corner of the Twelve. And like, I think like in the word calling, you can see it in, in a very specific area. But on your mission, you get to see God working in the world. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Well, Glenn, I couldn't agree with you more. And thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Really appreciate it. It was good to talk to you. (laughs) Good to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When I Was On My Mission. If you or someone you know has a great mission story, we would love to hear it. Please email us at contactonmymission at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Facebook at When I Was On My Mission. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app.